Welcome back to the Traders Point Church of Christ podcast, and thank you for joining us. Each week, we open up the Bible for just a few minutes and discuss God's Word together. We discuss its meaning and the ways in which we can apply it in our walk as followers of Christ. If you'd like more information about the Traders Point Church of Christ, you can visit our website at traderspointchurch.org, and you can follow us on Facebook and YouTube as well. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please take just a second to do that so you can stay up to date on all of the content that's put out on this channel. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy today's conversation. Welcome, and thank you once again for studying along with us as we have been over the past several weeks. Uh, John and I will continue our study in 1 Timothy. We're in chapter 6, which is the very end of the book. When we get to the end of this, we'll talk about uh, where we'll be heading to uh, beginning next week. But before we get to that, we're going to kind of close the door here on 1 Timothy chapter 6. He will continue, as Paul has done really from the very beginning, uh, to uh, lay some responsibilities on Timothy for things that certainly he needs to be considering, but, but also some things that he needs to be sharing to the brethren there and so it's it's not just a responsibility for himself but also his responsibility to to teach and to and to evangelize in that area and so we've talked about uh, a lot of things leading up to this we're going to read chapter 6 together here in just a second but before we do that John why don't you kind of help us maybe with context you can go back as far as you, you want to <laughs> go back but um, we're, we're, we've gotten ourselves here to the very end and maybe we'll talk just for a second on how we got to where we are now yeah, this uh, I was maybe even surprised a little bit. Maybe I shouldn't have been, but I was surprised at how much I enjoyed studying through this book. It, it's one of those letters that you know, I've read a lot, but oftentimes when First Timothy is being referenced, we're turning there to read the qualifications of elders or deacons, or we're referencing it alongside Second Timothy. But there is is so much in this letter that Paul writes to his his dear friend, his fellow laborer in God's kingdom, that is applicable to us today, not just as evangelists, but as a local church. And, and it really showcases, we've talked about it pretty much every week, it showcases God's desire for structure and order within the Lord's church. And that structure and order has such an important purpose because it provides for the well-being of everyone that's a part of it. And, and everyone has the opportunity within that structure and order that God designates to thrive spiritually, to glorify Him, and, and to make sure that all of our needs are met. And that is just such a beautiful picture of God's family. I mean, that's what a family is at the end of the day. I, I want my children to thrive and I want them to be happy, and I want them to be taken care of. And God looks down at his family, and he wants the very same things. And in order for that to happen, just like within our own families, God provides structure in order for all of that to take place. And so some of that is being given to Timothy to pass along to the church that he is working with to make sure that that structure and order is in place so that the Lord's church and everyone that's a part of it can be everything that God wants and intends them to be. And so when when we've been able to study through it week by week like this, uh, those principles have really come to the forefront for me, and it's really been impactful. And so, you know, anybody that's just joining us here, I would encourage you to take some time and just read through this letter, because there is is so much in the way of practical, practical application for us today. 
Yeah, and you can you can also go back and listen to each of our episodes um, going back, uh, you know, five weeks mm-hmm. now uh, to the very beginning when we've covered uh, each of these chapters uh, in a, in an episode. So uh, let's go ahead and read First Timothy chapter six together, and uh, we'll have a, a few things I'm sure to uh, discuss. But if you've got a Bible, that'd be great. You can follow along. Uh, maybe you're listening while driving or doing something else. You can certainly just listen along with us. But First Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, says, Let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, so the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. And those who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather serve them, because those who are benefited are believers and beloved, teach and exhort these things. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, to which you are also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God, who gives life to all things, and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep his commandment without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing, which he will manifest in his own time. He who is blessed and the only potentate, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely, falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. Now, of course, this is the very end of the book, and so there is a, a, a turn made towards conclusion and final thoughts. But yet, before we get into that, you really have, at the very beginning of this chapter, you know, a couple of hanger-on verses to 
what we talked about last week. I right. mean, we could have, I guess, rolled into the first couple of verses. But, you know, so I, I want to just, you know, make mention, and this would be a good segue, I guess, for us. You know, last week in chapter 5, it, it is a chapter in a lot of ways about giving honor, right? It, it is about uh, talking about older men and the honor that is due them, the older women, the same, the widows who are really widows, the honor that is due them, even elders serving the Lord's church, the honor and uh, reverence in a lot of ways that's that's due them. And, and it, it, these first two verses kind of are included in that conversation. But I think what they do is they really establish how important honor is for God mm-hmm. in circumstances. Because, you know, sometimes it's easier for us to say, well, you know, an older person, they've been around a long time, you know, we, we should lift them up, right? It's easy to do that. Or, you know, a, a woman who's lost her husband and is just in a, in a bad way, she doesn't have family to help support her, we should. We should lift up someone like that. Or a, a shepherd of the Lord's church and who's dedicating his time we should, you know, lift up someone like that. But when you see these first two verses in chapter 6, you really begin to see how important giving honor is, and humility, really, mm-hmm. is to God, because he tosses in here, if you are a slave, and, and I think for us, you know, we live at a time certainly here in 2023 where we, we just don't, we, we simply don't have slaves just interacting and just in, in our everyday world as it would have been a part of their world. I mean, it, you know, we, we go back in our country to slavery, and, and there were certain pieces of the country that it was kind of a part of, but here, I mean, it was a part of their culture. Yeah. And, and so you see it here, and certainly in other epistles, you know, made reference, you know, Paul in, in writing even to Philemon, and that short little book is a lot, you know, to do with slavery. But he, he's referencing, you know, a, a church where sl- slaves may be a, a part of that work. Uh, free people will be a part of that work. And he even paints the picture where it may be a, a slave and their master may both be a part of the work. And, and it's interesting still that in, in this scenario, the, the onus is still on you give honor because that honor is due. And it's just a really important uh, peace to really the end in, in every way of chapter 5. Yeah, honor is something that, that God sees as as valuable, not just for the one being honored, but for the one that's giving that honor. And, and there there is great value in us learning to honor those in certain positions. It is, as you mentioned earlier in chapter 5, to honor those widows, to honor older men and women, to honor the elders— and there's value in us learning to showcase honor. If we can't showcase honor to one another, how are we ever going to showcase honor to God? That's right. And so when he talks about this particular situation, we, in a, in a similar way, we, we, we have to choose between whether we are going to be enslaved to sin or whether we are going to be a slave to God. Now, one of those comes with a great deal of freedom and joy and the greatest riches we can ever imagine when we choose to enslave ourselves to God. It doesn't have a negative connotation the way that slavery typically does. But in order for us to really embrace that position between us and God, we have to learn to showcase honor to our master. 
we have to learn to show love and kindness and compassion. And that's the, that's the lesson that he's wanting us to learn here is the importance from our perspective of showing honor. And if we can show honor to those in different stations of life, then we can learn the value of showing honor to God. And, and so that, I think it's a, it's a theme not just here in First Timothy, although the way that it's positioned here just in back-to-back-to-back, really, between you know, the widows and the elders and, and the, the bondservants and master, it, it just stands out. But, but honor is a theme throughout Scripture, right. and, and it's an important aspect of our character in learning to show honor to other people. And so it's no surprise here that that's something that God wants to see within his church. He wants to see us honoring one another and learning to do so. You know, in a lot of ways, the the teaching that, that Paul is going to kind of conclude his letter with, as he he hits he hits just a, a couple of other things, some of which he's spent a lot of time in this letter already. You know, talking about where he gets to, you know, verses three, four, and five, and, and really even verses twenty and twenty one are is kind of a common theme that he has talked mm-hmm. about really throughout the book. We'll kind of hold that to the end of our conversation. But, you know, the middle section of this chapter, I think, in a lot of ways, it still goes to that idea of focus. Even what he talks about in 3, 4, and 5, and 20, and 21 about, you know, you need to be focused basically on what God has said Mm -hmm. and not what man has said. What is the truth versus, you know, what isn't? And so there is certainly a level of focus there. But in that middle section of, of this chapter... In a lot of ways, it is about focus, right? It, it is where uh, your priorities are. It's where your your time is spent. It, it's what your mind is spent on. It, it is what your effort is spent on. And it, even though he he draws it down to uh, those rich, you know, he, he's gonna he's talking monetary, right. you know, kind of things. But yet, you you still absolutely see that contrast of your pursuit, right? What, what you're you're gonna pursue one thing or the other. You're gonna mm-hmm. pursue spiritual things such as humility, such as yep. contentment, such as godliness and purity, things that he's mentioned in this chapter, or you're going to pursue worldliness. Mm-hmm. And worldliness pursuits are things like greed or things like covetousness or materialism, you know, and those things he's mentioned, you know, here in this chapter. Yeah. But I think in a lot of ways it 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 boils down to that level of focus, right? And, and the decision making that it, you know, it's going to lead to which direction or which pursuit are you going to take on? Yeah, the reality is, is that we're going to pursue something. We're going to pursue things in life. It's it's what we do. We we pursue uh, a job. We pursue a promotion. We uh, per, pursue sports and athletics. We pursue education. We we pursue things. I mean, it's that's it, kind of the the human nature is that we we pursue things. But what, what Timothy needs to, to learn, what Paul wants to instill within him so that he's then able to teach others, is that when it comes to the things that this world provides, the riches, the financial well-being, all of those things, if we choose to pursue those things, we are doing so in place of pursuing God. Mm-hmm, because right. those two things can't both happen. You can't both pursue worldly wealth and, and everything that it can provide, and at the same time, pursue God and everything that he can provide. You can't do both. It's that you can't serve two masters. You're either going to su- serve God or you're going to serve man. It's that same principle. And, and so Paul is is teaching Timothy and in turn asking him to teach the brethren there, you guys are going to have to make a choice here. Are you going to be able to find contentment in godliness 
or are you going to be constantly pursuing the riches of this life? And if you choose pursuit of the riches of this life, you are doing so in the absence of God, because those things can't go hand in hand. And it's it's a lesson that we all have to learn, because you know, I look around our country today, and you know, we're one of the richest, if not the richest countries in the history of the world. Riches are at every turn for us, in whatever form or fashion they may they may lie. But but the pursuit of those is almost ingrained within us as Americans. Yeah. We we are we are in, it is instilled within us to pursue wealth in this country. It's there for the taking. Go get it. And that is such a dangerous thing for Christians to watch out for, because if that's the trap that we're going to fall into, the pursuit of those riches, we're going to leave God behind in doing so. And it's just as true today as it was 2,000 years ago when Paul's writing this. I think it's interesting, not not just here, but in other places in Scripture. I mean, riches or being rich is a phrase that you see, but yet at the same time, I mean, it really is a subjective term. I mean, it, it is. Yeah. I mean, nobody can define it, right? It's a, yeah. it's a different definition for everybody. And, and I think, you know, God is intended for it to be that way, and that, that's why you have in a passage like this, it, it isn't necessarily about the amount of money in your bank account, right? You can have a million dollars in your bank account and be struggling with uh, this passage, or you can have one dollar in your bank account and be struggling with this passage. And it, because that's why you have words like pursue. That's right. what we talked about. That's why you have, and it is a pretty well-known passage, the love of money. You know, it's not the money. The money mm-hmm. isn't the issue. It mm-hmm. is the your attitude towards it, is your your pursuit of it, your love of it, right? Where your heart is, right? That's the idea. Where your treasure is, your heart's going to be there, is what Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount. And so that has to be. So it doesn't. We can't then play the game. Well, listen, I'm not rich. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I'm not rich. So this passage doesn't pertain to me. Well, if that's the line that we're trying to take, this passage definitely pertains mm-hmm. to you because you're looking then just for justification. That's the, you're exactly right. You know, if you have that one dollar in your bank account, but you really, really want to, that that's exactly what he's talking about here. What are you going to do to get that second dollar? What, where is your focus and your time and your energy? Where are they going to lie? And if you have $1 billion and you want to get $2 billion, well, the exact same principles are, are at play. It doesn't matter what the amount is. It's, it's the desire that we put into the pursuit of increasing what we have and, and, and gathering together, collecting what the world has to offer. And we know just from, from other places in Scripture and from our own understanding that all of those things are left behind. None of those things are eternal. None of those things are long-lasting. None of those things are truly meaningful at the end of the day. But so many people throughout history have fallen into the trap of the pursuit of riches. And as Paul says here, the greediness that has led them astray. It's, it, it, is a, it is a pervasive problem among mankind. It's not an American problem. It's not a 2023 problem. It is a problem that has persisted throughout time. And that tells us it's a problem that's going to continue to persist. And so it's one that we have to talk about frequently because every single person is at risk of falling into this temptation if we're not on guard and we're not carefully watching where our desires lie, where our pursuits lie, where are we spending our time, what are we thinking about during the day, and if all of those things or most of those things lie in the physical realm, 
then we need to go back to First Timothy chapter 6, and we need to put up some guardrails to protect ourselves. Yeah, and I think it's interesting how this section kind of closes, where Paul almost uses a play on words in a little bit. And instead of talking about man's riches, which is a subjective term in every way, he makes the point that, listen, you want to, you want to talk about rich in the objective sense? Mm-hmm. Well, God is objectively rich, mm-hmm. right? He has all of the riches. And what's interesting is you have that reminder from Paul is that it, it, the key component is your focus is on God, mm-hmm. who, who is, is rich and is objectively rich, and who is willing to share those riches abundantly with you. And so you start to look at that in a lot of ways, and then you have even more play on words in verse 18, where he says, listen, you be rich, but be rich in good works. Mm-hmm. And so now you start to see you know, this focus. And it is an interesting kind of uh, bit of teaching, really, mm-hmm. that he closes with. But he doesn't close with that. I made mention this a moment ago that he really closes this letter with, and he touches on it in verses 3, 4, and 5 as well, mm-hmm. but with something that he seemingly has referenced multiple times now in just this short letter. Yep. And it basically comes down to you. there's one truth, and there's a lot of people claiming knowledge that it doesn't have it, and there's a lot of problems that come out of that because you know people are lazy in their thinking, and they'll pursue something that is said to be the truth or said to be knowledge, but isn't. And you have that reminder that there is one truth, there is one source of knowledge, and the pursuit has to be towards that. And if you don't, it is a big, 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 big problem, one of which Paul has talked to Timothy about multiple times down the letter. Yeah, this these last two verses here at the end of chapter 6, they really do serve as a summary of what this letter is all about. Timothy, there are things that you're to guard. That's the word he uses there in verse 20, to guard. You're to guard against, go all the way back to chapter 1. You're to guard for sound doctrine. You're to hold tight to that. You're going to protect that. You have to avoid idle babblings. You have to avoid worldly disputes. You have to avoid... And so there are things throughout this letter that Paul hits on that, Timothy, you guard these things. You protect these things in your life. You teach them to others. And Timothy, these things you need to avoid because these are, as you mentioned, falsely called knowledge. There's no truth contained in these things. Now, that's a very simple thing to say, but the fact that Paul spends so much time helping Timothy parse between these two tells us that there is a responsibility that falls on us to discern between what is truth and what is falsely called knowledge. Because it's not always easy to tell the difference between the two. If it were easy to tell the difference between the two, well, everybody would make the right decisions around these things. But but it's oftentimes uh, incumbent upon us to really dig into it and make sure. And, and what I hear, and what I hearing is it true? Is is this really true, or is is this falsely called knowledge? Is this something that I need to avoid? And Timothy, as a young evangelist, had the responsibility of doing that for himself but then also helping others do that as well. And it's a skill, and it's something that we have to work at 
to become better at being able to discern between these. Because it's just that important. I mean, it, it is literally spiritual life or death to be able to, mm-hmm. to discern between those things. And, and you're right. You have Paul here at the end of this letter reminding Timothy, listen, you personally, you've got to put forth the effort mm-hmm. in order to be able to do this, to be able to dis- differentiate between these things. But yet at the same time, you also have the responsibility to help others do that. Yeah. And that is the responsibility and the burden that the evangelist is going to carry as well. And so it's really an interesting book. We've made mention of it multiple times. It's been a good study uh, for us as evangelists to, mm-hmm. to go through, but really a good practical study for everybody yeah. to kind of work through and be reminded of several of these things. So uh, we're at the very end of the book of First Timothy, uh, this conversation between uh, Paul and Timothy, but certainly we're not at the end of our podcast. We'll have another episode with something brand new beginning next week, and although you may think that Kate going to Second Timothy makes the most sense, <laughs> we're not about the most sense all the time, but uh, we're going to leave Paul and Timothy behind. We may come back to them, certainly at a later date. But we're going to turn our attention to Jesus, and specifically one of the Gospels, the Gospel of Mark, the shortest of the Gospels. And we're going to work our way through the Gospel of Mark over the next several weeks, and we would love to for you to work your way through that Gospel with us. So if you can be with us anytime, we would love to be studying with you again next week.